Hi there, it's Kiri Knudsen, and I have a confession to make. I am addicted to stories. You're listening to the Us People podcast with Savia Rocks. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Us People podcast. I'm your host, Savvy Rocks, and today I'm humbled to have Kiri Knutson here with me. Did I say it correctly? Hi, it's Kiri Knutson. You're so close. <laughs> oh, that was so close. So close. Thank you so much for coming on the Us People podcast. How are you? I'm, I'm really good. And thank you so much for finding me and inviting me to this amazing podcast. I've, I've been so impressed by hearing you and following you on social media ever since you reached out to me. So I'm happy to be here. Oh no, thank you. So I have actually not every time you you go on social media, I always see yep, another one, another one, another one. So it's so nice to have people and now a guest. You are now a guest on the Ask People podcast, supporting what we do, especially to help ask people. I'm in, not the, yeah, right. I'm in, and now I'm in the Ask People family, right? Yes, you are. You definitely are. And also on the Us People family, anybody who comes on the Us People podcast gets to choose their favorite song, which goes into the Spotify playlist, <gasps> which is kind of cool. That is so pressure. I have so many songs. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you, I'll let that fizzle around in your head okay. for now. And then we'll start the interview of getting to know who you are as a person so my first question for you which I love to ask every single guest who comes on my show you know what's coming is could you tell me a bit about who you are as a person your influences as you were growing up but how that influenced you to to be the person who you are today well, awesome. I love that question. And I would be happy to tell you and share a little a few stories around that. Um, so as you know, I'm a communication consultant and coach. And so a lot of what I talk about is storytelling. And so you know, I, I, I like to say I'm addicted to stories. I love stories of all kinds. I think we find we find stories in music, we find stories in television, movies, you know, podcasts. I mean, stories are, are what we live and breathe these days. And um, although they go by many names. So one of the stories that describes a little bit about where I'm from is from a 1989 movie named The Field of Dreams. Have you ever heard of that movie? I haven't. I'm going to go and look at it now. Okay. Kevin Costner's in it. Um, James Earl Jones is in it. Other stars are in it. And it was filmed in the town where I'm from, which is a very small town in Dyersville, Iowa. Yeah. Okay. I'll write it down <laughs> add that to the list. So yeah, so I um I was born in a I like to say I was born in the field of dreams. Uh, but you know, it wasn't really in the field, but it was in the town where the, the movie was filmed. And uh, basically if you know that movie or now if you go watch that movie, you'll see it's a the setting is a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, as they call it, in a cornfield. And I grew up on a farm in Iowa until I was 14 and um, lived in a very small town. And usually when I tell people that I lived in a very small town, they'll say, oh, yeah, me too. And I'll say, well, what, well how was the population of where you were born or where you are from? And they'll say, oh, like, you know, 20,000. It was so small. And I'll say, okay, then I was born in a village because where I lived until I was 14, there were under 1,000 people in this town. Wow. Yeah. 
under a thousand. Can you imagine? That's a pretty small town. That's tiny. Tiny town. Yeah. One flashing yellow light. And so a lot of my early memories are living in Iowa, growing up on a farm, animal stories, you know, um, the, the triumph and tragedy of animal stories, you know, living on a farm. It's life and death lessons right there from the time that you're a little kid. And um, and then at the age of 14, so that's kind of like my first story, right? The first reference is this farmhouse in Iowa. And that's my young years, my childhood years. And I was just thinking about this and sharing this with someone else about how it's funny that Iowa, the weather there is, you know, like Canada, it's very cold in the winter. It gets, it can be like 20 below zero in the winter in Iowa. Wow. Yeah. So that's pretty freezing. And that, and then when I was 14, we moved to South Florida and you know, if you've ever been to Florida or, you know, or you think of, you know, Miami or whatever, I mean, we're, we're about, you know, hour and change away from Miami, but, um, you know, that was a big, huge cultural shock in many ways, many differences, not, you know, go from the middle of the country in a tiny farm town where everyone really looks the same and from the same background into South Florida, which is this, you know, multi multiple cultures and languages and food and music and dance. And I just was immediately captivated with the diversity of everything here. And so to give a little frame of reference, I like to say that I went from you know, a town of, of under a thousand people. And then my high school class had 500 kids. Ooh, that's half of your, that's half of your village. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we moved when I was 14 to South Florida. And that was my, my second story reference is, is, are you familiar with the show Beverly Hills 90210? Of course. Yes. Okay. So this is 1990. I'm starting as a freshman in high school. We moved to South Florida and actually Beverly Hills 90210, I think it came out that year or around that year. So it was like the hit show. And this, the premise of the show is that these two kids from the Midwest moved to Beverly Hills, California, right? So I moved from the farm country <laughs> to South Florida, Boca Raton, Florida, which is kind of like the Beverly Hills of Florida, you know, wealthy and affluent. And, you know, so it was kind of strange to watch kids drive in with their red BMWs when we were, you know, 15, 16. And I just came from the farm. <laughs> but then you have a lot more. How can I say you have a lot more grit? And you understand a lot more and family is more important, not the materialistic side of things. They're not important to you. I think family was more probably more important. You had a small niche community mm -hmm. where that upbringing helped you to be who you are today. Whereas other people in, in Florida were driving, like you say, the flashy cars, the, the, you know, so how did you adapt to that? How did you, become a part of that other person how did it change you from being this this lovely you know village girl to now being in this big city yeah um and it was a big city to me and i remember a lot of people that moved to south florida especially in this area boca from new york and the northeast and to them it's a step down or or a not down but like a um it's smaller, it's less expensive. And for me, it was the opposite. It was more expensive in this area and, and much bigger. And, you know, so it was interesting because 
we all have this different perspective and it's like a, it's a microcosm of your, the rest of your life. I mean, that's one lesson I think I learned is I wish someone tells you in high school or would have told me, or maybe we can start telling them now (laughs) that what you are in high school is you. I mean, that's who you are. You grow and you change and you evolve and you learn. And of course you expand and things like that through experience and learning, but but you are you and the people you meet are really special and they stick with you, a lot of them. And, um, you know, to answer your question, I think having grown up in a place where there is limited opportunity and, you know, we lived with my grandmother for a period of time when I was growing up and my grandmother was, you know, lived, lived through the Great Depression. And, and when you live on a farm, you know, one of the principal values, especially if you have grandparents that lived through that era, is you do not waste anything, you know, so appreciation is very highly valued and you definitely don't waste food, you know, you don't waste um, anything, time, (laughs) Um, you work hard and you try to achieve and yeah, I think someone else said this to me recently, what you're bringing up about impact versus, um, you know, power because because with communication skills as you may know they're often called soft skills and i think that's a misnomer i think that's a big misnomer so i call them power skills and so power like yeah power skills um can could also though be misconstrued to say oh power is it about conquering power is it a negative type of connotation with the word power i don't see it that way which is why i use the word empower you know to empower ourselves means to give ourselves authority it means to um you know hone our skills get better at improve constantly and and um feel like we have choice and power and and i don't see it in a negative uh connotation at all I think that's a positive connotation but I can understand a different perspective of it as well no I was just saying that it's really empowering about what you're saying so that the listeners can understand that too yeah I hope so what are you most curious about right now about what you do when it comes to how can I say this empowering people about communication because like you say it it's such a good skill to have but not everybody has communication skills. Right. And how do you how do you start and empower them to have these skills so that they can feel confident? Because I think that is really important within themselves to be a leader in what they want to achieve in life. How do you feel that you help them as an individual to be confident and empower them so that they can move forward in the right way that they want to? Well, I think that uh, you use a very good word, actually. So the the question is the answer in a way, because you, you, you used the key word there, which is curious. And that's what coaching is about, is being curious and removing judgment. So when I work one-on-one with people, for instance, I practice curiosity. Uh, lots of times people will ask me direct questions and they'll want a direct answer, but really it wouldn't serve them to the highest good to directly answer what I think because it doesn't matter what I think. Instead, I have to get curious and I have to say, why or where is that coming from? Or why is it important to you? Um, so I think getting curious uh, is exactly the answer of how I help to empower people is because we don't often get someone who shows up who wants to be 100% present, who wants to really understand, you know, comes from a place of understanding. And that's why I think coaching is 
so magical in a way because it's like such focused presence. And that is such a gift when you have someone being 100% open to what you have to say without judging and evaluating or telling you you're wrong, um, you know, or saying, oh, no, no, go the other way or whatever it is. So I think that that's um, a key part of, of what I do is to be curious. I love that. That's really cool. Who were your influences when you were growing up? I heard you say a little bit about your grandmother also don't waste you know have gratitude which is something I think you all should have especially right now but who were some of your influences that helped you become a person like I say who you are today but also who you are becoming in your future mm, that's such a great question I mean I definitely number one person I think of is my mom right away because my mom is a, a really resilient person and she really is the reason why I'm on this entrepreneurial venture at all, because before becoming an entrepreneur myself, I had been in marketing for 15 years. So I worked in different marketing and communication roles and I got into a job that was actually, this is what I call my why story. <laughs> so, um, you know, why am I doing what I'm doing? It's because I got into a job that was supposed to be my dream job. It was going to be the job of all jobs. It was going to be where I would work until I retired. And it turned out to be a big nightmare. And so where I thought I would be there the rest of my career, I ended up being there a very short time, about three months. And it was, I liken it to the Titanic because that's how many people were jumping ship from this department. It was that bad. And so a lot of people will say, well, I didn't like my job or I don't like my job. And, you know, it's just part of life and that's part of work. And that's where I say, no, I, I reject that idea. I think that we, we spend a lot of time in our work and that we have to be able to find happiness and joy. And that makes us more effective and more productive and, yes, more confident. Um, so the, to kind of this, you know, weaving tale here that not a real direct answer to your question, but big influence is my mom. So I get into that job. I think it's going to be great. I decide this is not going to work and I've done everything I can to try to fix it from the inside. I'm going to have to leave. And I, I broke the cardinal rule, which is, you know, the cardinal rule of the biggest working world sin is never leave a job without a job, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> right. Well, I did that. <laughs> I said, well, you know, luckily I'm in a position with, you know, I can work with my family's business. You know, they have, they're serial entrepreneurs. They've done everything from, you know, own restaurants to real estate house flipping before flipping was a thing. They, they have, um, let's see, what else did they do? They, um, well, of course they were farmers for a bit and, um, they, also own health food store now. So they've had a lot of evolution and a lot of pivots. So my mom and my parents, my mom, and my stepdad, you know, they've done all these different businesses and I watched them along the way and I've saw them succeed and I, I've seen them, you know, have really tough times. And that was, I think what took me so long to get to entrepreneurship because I was like, Oh no, I'm going to go the safe route. I'm going to get a job <laughs> and I'm going to work in a place and I'm not going to have all those headaches and nightmares of entrepreneurship that I saw growing up. <laughs> but in reality, here I am, you know, five years into my own entrepreneurial journey. And I think that those values of, you know, just keep trying, um, experiment, uh, you know, trial and error, you know, they they just you you learn from what you see people do, not from what they tell you. 
That's true. That's how that I feel. Really, really so I think what happened with me. I was just saying that um, what you were saying about entrepreneurship, whereas sometimes when people are telling you a story, they only tell you a specific part of the story, and that is how they're already there. Right. They don't tell you and the tribulations of what they went through and the turns and the ups and downs like you were saying of your family that you saw the good times and you saw the bad times um I had a conversation with someone not so long ago and they were telling me that they were in a role and it was so destroying but there isn't all negative within that they learned what they don't want to do so they crossed that off list and they learn okay well I'm not going to do this anymore I'm going to go on to do something else and they they became a fully qualified solicitor which is what they loved doing instead of doing something else that they didn't want to do so I'm so glad that you shared that with us on could you break down for the listeners what you do as a profession just to let the listeners know and understand how you help people and their outcome of helping people? Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, it's a great question to ask um, because I was just having this conversation with someone who said, oh, you're a communication consultant. I would love to learn more about what that is. And I said, yeah, me too. <laughs> because, because um, you know, we put these labels and we use words to describe things, but that doesn't mean there's understanding, right? That doesn't mean there's effective communication happening. If I say these words, you might have a different interpretation. So it does require a little bit of an explanation of, you know, what is it that you're actually doing in your career and your job? And so what I do is I, as a consultant, I do training around communication topics. So in a couple weeks, a week and a half or so, I have a a training called win-win communication. So I'm going to be giving a group of people you know, a workshop essentially, and this time, you know, the year will be digital through Zoom, and um, we will be working virtually to create an environment uh, where we can have discussion on different topics and create more wins in communication uh, when they're in their work life. And um, another great session that I was a part of last year, with it was a collaborative session with another consultant, was coaching skills for management. So how do you as a manager take on some coaching behaviors that will help your um, employees or your staff to have a better relationship and get the most out of them? Um, and, and really it has a lot to do with asking good questions. And so that's why when we, before we started is when I complimented you, Savia, on your inter, uh, interviewing skills. Aww. And I thought, you know, you are an excellent interviewer. And part of the reason that you are is because you are a, a great listener. And listening is not something that just we know how to do from birth. It's a skill. It really needs honing and developing. And so in these workshops, some, a lot of what we talk about is active listening. How do you listen? You know, how do you really shut off that inner dialogue and really listen and be present for somebody? And it's hard when you've got a lot going on in your mind, right? I'm sure we can all relate to that. It's like, well, I've got this whole list of things to do. I, you know, you know, my, my kids, my husband, my work, my this, my that, the house, you know, whatever it is. And now the environment we're in, of course, that's another thing on the list. And so it gets harder and harder to get real quiet. And, and just listen. But it's such a valuable skill and it's such a gift when the other person is on the receiving end of that. So that's one way as a consultant that I work is in workshops with groups of people, with teams to help them become more effective and productive. 
And then the other type of work that I do is one-on-one um, -on -one work with coaching clients. So I work with you know three months or six months with with individuals who want to um, really what I've what I've begun to see as my niche, if you will, is people who have self-branded businesses, people who want to build their influence and expand their brand. So they want to be able to stand out, speak up, and create a brand around that. So lots of times, especially in the days that we're living now. Uh, video communication has come into play with how do I show up on video and be more confident and how do I communicate a concise message? Short form video is blowing up, as you probably know. Um, yeah, short form video is the, the thing now to master. So I help people do that to help elevate their personal brand or their professional um, you know, life, work, business, whatever they're trying to do and advocate for. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. See? I hope you've taken some information away from this already because I am. I'm just absorbing it like a five-year-old sponge awesome. <laughs> because it's so, it's so helpful to be able to to understand exactly what you do and let people know exactly what you do so that they can elevate themselves. Yes, and one thing and become. One, yeah, thank you for that. I would like to point out a differentiator, if you will, because I've been working. Um, you know, you talked a little bit, or you asked me earlier about what am I? I think you asked me about what am I getting curious about now in my area. Yeah. So one thing that I'm working on now is my own intellectual property, right? My IP. How do I really help people? And what is the process of doing that? How do you become an empowered communicator? And so I'm working on assessment model of different types of communication that people show up with that I've seen, and then steps in a process to help get them there, to help really build the influence that they want to see in their brand, uh, whether that's a self-branded business, you know, that meaning you know, Savia uh, at Us People Podcast. That's a self-branded business, <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> so, or Kiri of Uplevel Consulting. That's, you know, self-branded business. It's about me and the expertise that I bring. And so um, I find a lot of people are doing that because they have passions and they want to, you know, be more fulfilled in their work and they're looking for more. And a lot of the people I end up working with are, what would I call them? They're visionaries, they're big picture thinkers, and they are they want to start like a movement. They want to have big impact in the world. You know, a lot of them want to write a book or they want to speak from the stage or things like that. So um, so yeah. What does personal growth mean to you? <laughs> there you go. We're gonna, we're gonna... <laughs> okay, so the question is what what does personal growth mean to me? Yeah, and how do you adapt that into your everyday life? Mm, personal growth. What does personal growth mean to me, and how do I adapt that in my life? Well, let's see. P personal growth is anything that you can um, learn and incorporate into your life to help you expand as an individual. So, to help you perform better, to help you um, have more happiness, more harmony, more. Um, success in whatever way you choose to define it. That's personal growth for me. And how do I do it? Well, you know, at the at the beginning of this, I'm, we were talking a little bit about our backgrounds and where we're from. And you said that you have um, some Indian in you, right? You're from you're part of your family's from India. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah, my mother. Yeah, I'm all over the place. <laughs> and so, um, how I incorporate personal growth is, you know, my first iteration as an entrepreneur was in wellness coaching. So I got certified in nutrition, I got certified in coaching itself, and I got certified in yoga. So the yoga tradition is important to me. And um, yes, namaste. <laughs> and um, I think that that is such a 
been such a gift to grow in many, many ways. Um, you know, in the West, we've really boiled yoga down to something, just a tiny sliver of what, you know, most people think yoga is, but it, it's so much more in the philosophy and the different um, types of practices. And, and um, you know, I, I think because my focus is on communication and storytelling and speaking and and things like that. Most recently, my personal growth has really been drawing me to um, chanting and um, and music. And you know, I want to create more of that in my life. And so, even though I was certified in Hatha yoga, basically um, a version of Hatha and Ashtanga yoga, I find myself this year being called to Kundalini. So. I think that I'll be starting my kundalini practice now more. I've dabbled. I've just just started to get curious in there. And, I, and it makes so much sense now um, to, to dive into that this year for me. So I think you're definitely going to enjoy that. Yeah. Do you have a practice? Um, my Well, before my grandmother passed away, she done a lot of that. And she, um, Buddhism, there were so many different things that, my parents also my parents and my grandparents did my mother doesn't really practice it too much mm -hmm. but I think that's definitely something I'm also because when you said it, I was like yeah maybe that's a sign for me to go back and start doing it too <laughs> so sometimes people come also as signs to tell you to go back and do something that will enhance your life so thank you for mentioning Absolutely. That. And, you know, I kind of wonder, you know, how the algorithm of, of social media works since I'm in the U.S. and you're in the U.K. And my coach last year was in the U.K. and I met people in the U.K. And so I got connected to them on social media. So now I wonder if maybe that's how we ended up getting connected is because of different, maybe. you know, connections in common. And then you get. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. I have so much gratitude for that as well because you never know who you're connected to. And or, um, my grandmother always said to me, you're always three steps away from anything you want in life. Oh, that's good. And so, yeah, you're always, so, so basically you'll speak to the person, the person will speak to the other person and then they will introduce you to the person. So that's three steps. I love and that's, and that's kind of how life is. You're always three steps away people think that it is way more than that but guys it's only actually three steps yeah it's just knowing the right person and it's just networking in the right way and communicating like what you do in the right way to help you to get to where you want to be it's just something that I wanted to share uh, when I was reading up about you also you talk about the eight C's ah <laughs> this is something that I really want you to talk about. Would you like to to break down the eight C's for the listeners? Yes, um, you are so good at research. <laughs> no, actually, yeah, the, I'm going to reference my notes here because guess what? This is very new um, to me. I am developing. This is the IP that I'm talking about that I am currently developing of how I will help people build their influence and expand their brand. I got the first one down as clarity. Actually, um, the first one is choice. Ah, it's choice. Okay, let me. Okay, right. And maybe choice. it's been edited Number since one. you've noticed, but yeah. So it, the eight C's, just to run through them all one time, are choice, clarity, competence, courage, creativity, community, connection, and contribution. And so there are what I call 
me elements in that and there are we elements in that. And we start with the me, right? Because that's where everything begins is with me, with, with the individual. Um, you know, I can't connect successfully with you and have a great conversation unless I have a certain amount of clarity around what it is that I'm up to and I'm about and my story and, and how to share that with you and contribute and collaborate. So that's important for everybody. And um, so one of the things I like to talk about in that first element, and maybe I'll just cherry pick a few to talk through with you. Is that okay? Ooh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so the first one is choice. And there is a thing called in coaching, there is a model called the empowerment model. And this is where we get into this. Are you just shaking your head? You know what that is? The victim, the rescuer, <laughs> the persecutor, you know about that. Yes. That's yeah. great. And a lot of people don't. So I'm so pleased to know that you know about it because um, a lot of people don't. And it's not to, you know, when someone says, oh, you're playing the victim, that often sounds like an attack, right? It's like, who wants to be known as playing the victim? But we all can slip into that role without really knowing it. So that's why it's great to find out a little bit more about this, find out about the choice you have and what choice you can make to empower yourself. And the, that empowerment model that I'm, ta I'm talking about, with the empowerment model, there are two triangles stacked on top of one another. One is the passion-based outcome focused, and that's a triangle of the challenger, the creator, and the coach. That's the empowerment dynamic that you wanna be in. You wanna be in one of those roles, the challenger, the creator, or the coach. On the flip side of that is where so many of us lie, and it's called the dreaded drama triangle. <laughs> and that is Cartman's yes. drama triangle. And that's where you're anxiety-based, you're problem-focused. You, you may be maybe in the victim role, you may be the rescuer, or you may be the persecutor. And um, you know, without going into all the details of all that, um, it's just really interesting to, to recognize and find out a little bit more about what role am I playing in this situation and what choice do I have to change that? So that's a little bit about what will be covered in the, the arena of choice. And then let's see, what else? Do you have another one that you would like me to talk about? Oh, okay. Because this is creativity, I'm going to jump to creativity. Yes. Yes. Okay. Creativity. Awesome. I love it. It's one of my favorites as well. Um, so with the creativity, since, you know, I like to make the distinguishing remark about storytelling versus public speaking, right? A lot of communication coaches and consultants will talk about public speaking. How do I help you present more, um, you know, more effectively? Or how do you really do a great presentation? How do you do a speech? And I did teach public speaking at the college level, so I know what that is, and I know that that's very valuable. However, what I'm passionate about is storytelling, because story has some fascinating elements to it that public speaking sometimes misses, and that is emotion. Emotion is the key to so many things. I mean, you can take this back to the days of, you know, the ancient Greeks with the rhetorical triangle, um, ethos, pathos, logos. I mean, without, right, does this ring a bell from your university days? Um, so, yeah, right? So um, the, the pathos is the emotional component of persuasion. And people are, are not always logical. We don't make logical decisions. We make decisions on emotion. And sometimes when I say that, people are like, oh, well, that sounds like we're really, you know, just 
with sway with the wind or we just can't make our minds up with logic. And that's not to say that logic's not important. It is. But emotion is what draws people into action. And if you want to prove it to yourself, you can watch any commercial (laughs) on TV and pick out the emotional plea. And so that's why I focus on storytelling, because I think we can have stories sort of in our pocket with us when we work and we do our jobs, because inevitably you come across those teachable moments with people. Right. If you've ever worked with people, if you've ever worked with a team, work with just even if it's just one other person, you have an opportunity to teach each other something. And there there's a great author. I have a book that I really like. Her name's Annette Simmons. And she talks about um, the book is called The Story Factor. And she says a confusing story cannot convince. And she talks about six stories that we should all have. And how that's how we can convey who we really are, what we're all about, you know, the who am I story. That's like about your integrity and your character. What can you what story can you tell to illustrate, to show instead of just telling someone, oh, I'm a person of integrity. Oh, okay, great. That's wonderful. Am I supposed to take you at your word for that? (laughs) You know, instead, have a story that illustrates that you're a person of integrity. And so that means a lot more and be more convincing. I really love that. I love the whole concept of everything you've just said there. I think I continue to learn knowledge and I'm sure the listeners are continuing to learn as well as much as I am. What is the best advice that somebody has ever given you in your life that has helped you throughout your life? Mm, That's really good. Um, The best advice, let's see. Well, I remember when I was starting college and my mom is one of eight kids by the way that's when you live on a farm you have big families I'm an only child (laughs) but my mom is one of eight and so she she has seven siblings and one of my uncles was visiting and uh, he was actually one of the only I think there was two kids in the family that went to college and so my uncle was one of them and uh, I said when I was starting college, I really didn't know what major to pick or anything. I had no idea. I just, I just knew my parents owned businesses and maybe I'd be a business major. What did I know? <laughs> That's such a tough decision for any college stu- student starting out is pick a, pick a major. How do you do that? You don't know what you want to do. Um, so I asked my uncle, I said, what should I do? I've got to pick a major. Oh my goodness. I don't know what to pick. And he said, just pick what pick some classes that you enjoy take some classes that you really enjoy and find out what those are and that will reveal your your major and so that's how i ended up a, a communication major because i liked all those classes i liked the public speaking when most people didn't i liked the intercultural communication i remember taking rhetoric and um liking that <laughs> you know and so um I was just drawn to that that area. And so that was probably really good advice that I got from my uncle about what direction to to flow. And, and also, I don't know that anyone told me this, but advice that I would give to someone who's trying to find their purpose or their path or what they should do or where they should focus their energy is to not take on so much pressure to get it right. Instead, get into action. You know, if you think you like soccer, try soccer. If you think you like art, try art. 
if you think you like math, go for some math. I mean, you nothing is permanent. All of this is temporary. So experiment, try, pivot. Um, there's a really great quote by, um, what's the woman who wrote The Artist's Way? Um, I can't think of her name. The Artist's Way, that book. It says something like, in order to do something new or, or you've got to be able to do it badly before you can do it well, you know, right? So, so just do something badly, <laughs> you know, just do it badly at first. And then before you know it, you'll be doing it really well. They say that when you do something badly, you actually sometimes have the most fun. Yeah. All this pressure. You know? Because you're experimenting. Yeah, you're experimenting. Yes. You're learning, you're adapting, you're curving yourself into a mold of what you want to do with your life. And and the greatest experience is just living life. Absolutely. I yeah. think. Very good. Perfect. That's perfect. What is the, in your opinion, knowledge is power. But when did you realize that you have power within words, within communication? When did you realize that words of communication had so much power and impact on the world, not just on people, but on the whole world to change something? Yeah. When did I realize uh, words had so much power? Um, you know, one experience that I had in my career in marketing makes, makes me think of, of this um, in response to that question. So when I worked in marketing, I often had to be paired with IT specialists, you know, people who were in the technology side of things. So here I am, the person with the, the speech or the script or the, you know, the communication, the words, <laughs> if you will. And now I have to figure out how we're going to display these words, whether it's through video, PowerPoint, whatever, microphones, this and that, and work with the technology side of 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 the house. And um, often what I would find is I would end up being the translator. So I like to say that I'm an English to English translator. <laughs> right. I'm an English to English translator. So I would end up, um, the IT professional would be describing to me the issues, the challenges, the problems, which I could understand, but the leadership, the boss, the CEO would not understand what they were trying to say. And I found myself having the talent to say, here's what they mean. This is why we're having a problem. This is what's going on. I would be able to translate it to leadership, whatever the problem or challenge was. You know, lots of times this has to do with events where you're, you're on a deadline. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of people and you've got a big presentation to pull off. And now if you've got technical challenges and the leadership wants to know What's going on? Why isn't this done? Why isn't this working? So it's a high-pressured scenario. And I found myself leading without authority. So I didn't have direct reports. I didn't have people that reported to me. But I had to persuade and influence and get buy-in from different people. And to just do that on, on emotional intelligence and... You know, if I might be so bold, come uh, charisma, <laughs> you know, likability. Yeah, okay, definitely. What are you most proud of that you stand for? Most proud of that I stand for? Um, boy, that's a good question. What am I most proud of that I stand for? Well, 
self-awareness is a big part of being an effective communicator. And because I am, I want to help other people create more self-awareness, I have been trying to gain as much self-awareness as I possibly can. And one way that I've done that is to take a lot of personality assessments or behavioral assessments. And in that discovery, I've learned things about myself, about my values and what's important to me. And one of the things that it says in my Strengths Finder, I think it was the Strengths Finder. If you've ever read that book, there's an assessment that goes along with it. And um, it says something to the effect of, I should be an advocate for people who need a voice or that I like to lift people up or, or, you know, it's, and I was so excited, I guess, or, or, um, happy to have found that in my journey on self-awareness that I have highlighted it and, you know, printed it out and posted it and put it in a notebook. Like, (laughs) I'm like, this is so true. (laughs) You know, have you ever done that where you learn something about yourself and you're like, yes, this is me. Yeah. I got it all on my wall. (laughs) behind me I know the listeners can't yeah yeah I have loads of like different sayings where I've learned something about myself and then I've adapted it to around the quote and then I stick it up about me especially uh, ones where you feel like we all have highs and lows in life and I have one behind me it's in red and it and it's just stating I can't do it I can try it I'm getting there and then you get to the top and then it says, yes. I've done it. And I think that's what life is like, where you have an idea in your mind, but you may feel like you don't have the support mechanism. You may feel like people around you won't believe you, that you're capable of achieving what you want to achieve. But you have to believe in yourself first. Then everybody else will follow eventually. Right. Sometimes it's a sad reality that it's like that. But um, at the same time, if you keep pushing yourself and people see your determination for you to succeed, and and I say success in a form where everybody has a different level of success. Success could be waking up in the morning. Everybody has a different form of success for themselves. But if you just believe in your ability to try, then you will succeed in your own way. And that's what I'm trying to say. So definitely, yeah, I do have all these. Yes, it's so it's validating to find out, um, you know, something that you already feel inside. And so, like, I li- always like to tell people that it's not about taking an assessment and getting the, quote, you know, right answer or, oh, that's going to tell me the law of who I am or let that dictate who I am. No, it's more about the journey of inquiry and, um, you know, doing the, the quick the quiz or the assessment or whatever it is. And then having the opportunity to reflect on it. Oh, is this part true? Or I identify with this or I don't identify with that. Or, ooh, this might be kind of negative, but maybe I need to work on that. So it's more about just the exercise of becoming aware. And one um, assessment actually that's free online that I just uh, found recently is, let me see if I can remember, I put it, pulled it here. It's called Personality Max and it's personalitymax.com and it's about Gardner's theory of multiple intelligence and the reason I bring that up is because I am focused on helping people become better with their intra-personal communication and their inter-personal communication so that is how I communicate with myself and how I communicate with with other people and this assessment tool measures that but it also measures other things and I found out 
that I, I had the top three strengths for me was the intra, which is the internal in mind, right? How I speak to myself and uh, music and um, linguistic. And so I thought, oh, that's so great. You know, that uh, there's, again, more validation. I already know that I love music. I love dance. I did ballroom dance for a few years. Oh, yeah. And so, I, yeah. And um, so I was just so excited to see that, oh, okay, no wonder I love music so much. It's part of my makeup. <laughs> see, see, that leads me on actually to my next question. Have you actually thought of what your favorite song is and what song you would like to put? in the playlist gosh you know that is such a tough question and i'll just talk like i'll tell you um the artists that come to mind when you ask me who my favorite are you know music or what my favorite song would be that would be so hard but some of the artists i like are um now remember i'm a child of the 90s okay <laughs> so, <laughs> i love um like nirvana and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and all that stuff. But I also, you know, moved to South Florida when I was in high school and love reggae music. So I love Bob Marley and Peter Tosh and um, Sister Nancy. I don't know her that well, but I love that one song. <laughs> and um, so I love reggae music. And when I was young, I used to go to the reggae festival. There's a Bob Marley festival. It was so much fun. It was a great memory of growing up down here. And who else? I love Tori Amos. You know Tori Amos? Do you like her? Yep. You know, love her. Yep. Um, I love, um, you know, I actually have found an appreciation for Bob Dylan. I'm not like a super fan, but I love his storytelling ability. I mean, that's folk music, you know, and, yeah. and Ani DeFranco, I think of with the, you know, the way she writes and, and, um, pretty amazing so gosh there's just a diversity and a wide spectrum to pick one song i'm gonna can i email you <laughs> i know i think you can yeah, no that's fine you can make your own playlist i'm happy with that <laughs> i love music you know it's so great it's such a mood lifter yeah it is totally um music can heal Amen. your soul i believe, I believe that too and i noticed that you, you interview a lot of musicians yes i do um before I am a podcaster, I'm a songwriter first. Wow. Um, no wonder you appreciate storytelling. I really do. If anybody has a story to tell me, I'm I'm all ears. I don't even need to talk. You just need to tell right. the story. And I'm happy that. I really do believe That's that. That's amazing. If, no, if nobody was watching you, well, if nobody was judging you, I would say, what would you do differently in your life if there was no judgment in the world? So if you took out the word judgment in a dictionary and refer it away, what would you do differently in your life? Wow. If we took out the word judgment and no one was watching or evaluating me, what would I do different? Hmm. Boy, that's a good question. I would jump on the phone more What's often. That? I would jump out of a plane. Oh my gosh! Like skydive or yeah, yeah. Like um, I'm too scared of all that. <laughs> that won't be me. Um, if no one, you know, I mean, gosh, you know, I don't know if this answers that specific question, but but I think another question that you had mentioned was about if you were a child or if you 
how does that go? Like, um, as a child, what did you want to do and you haven't done? What one thing would you do that you never had a chance yeah, to do? Yeah, so I think that it's funny that we just talked about music and songwriting because that's what I would like to do is to sing from a stage. Um, like, you know, and not for the, the crowd or the adoration, but for the the connection of, you know, for me, when, I'm, when I speak in front of a crowd and I imagine singing this even like, putting yourself in even more vulnerable position, um, which is actually very powerful, I think, uh, to, to connect with people on that level, that's would be like magical. I think, I mean, I even kind of get like emotional thinking about it. Like I, I feel like I want to wave my hands in front of my eyeballs. <laughs> I have a lot of admiration for people who can write and tell a story and, become vulnerable like you're saying through their storytelling of what they've been through their life and share it with the world because there are so many people going through exactly or something yes. similar to that person who picked up that pen and wrote down their emotions to tell their story but it's it's until you break that shield of not holding your story anymore because a lot of musicians what they do is they create beautiful music but then they keep it in their bedroom and no one's going to hear you if you keep right. it in your bedroom. Share. And there's so many avenues right now, especially now with technology being the way it is and social media being the way it is where you can share what you've done. Someone will find it. Someone will listen to it. Someone will resonate with it in the way that you want them to. And you don't always have to see That's it. Right. They will feel it feel it through but that's just the spiritual side of what I'm Absolutely. trying to tell I love that uh, and you know yeah. what you what you bring up there as far as having the courage right that you need courage to you need the courage to stand up and stand out and share your voice whether that's through story and your personal journey or whether that's through your music and your lyrics or your performance you need to have courage and, and that's a practice and it's actually you know, in speaking about music and what I talk about with my clients are um, about the frequency of emotions. There, every emotion has a frequency, you know, just like music has a frequency, words have a frequency. Um, and if we can just get into courage, there is a literal scale of frequency and the numbers that go along with the emotions. And as there are lower level frequencies, low level emotions, and there are higher level frequencies. And the lower ones, as you may know, if you're experienced with music, is um, the, the negative emotions, the shame, the guilt. Um, and then if courage is sort of like the tipping point into everything that's good. Courage is the tipping point into love. It's a tipping point into joy. And so whatever it is that you're holding on to, whatever words, whatever story, whatever music that you're holding on to, if you can just tap into courage, like so many things can open up for you. So that's what comes to mind when you mention that. I love that. See, what would you like your legacy to be when you come to a point in life where you either retire or you just say that's enough. What would you like your legacy to be as an individual? You know, um, so far we've talked a lot about storytelling and influence and impact in other people's lives and having a strong brand and standing up and standing out, using your voice. But another part of effective communication that I think contributes to my legacy is to help people have more harmony in their communication. So 
never before in our history, well, at least not maybe our lifetime of history, have we had such discord and disagreement and the lack of skills to navigate those things. And so I think that my real passion is to help people um, find a way to create more understanding, even when we disagree, and to create a pathway to build a relationship. Um, you know, in developmental psychology, they actually say that 70% of the time there's what they call a mismatch in communication, meaning misunderstanding. So if we go into a conversation just knowing that it's most likely we're going to be misunderstood, that we're taking for granted that the words coming out of my mouth are going to just be heard and completely understood. That doesn't, that's not reality. That's not what happens. And so I hope that my legacy can help contribute to more harmony, more understanding, more, um, uh, you know, strengthening of relationships through discord, through disagreement, um, that those things, when we navigate through them, actually make our relationships stronger, make us stronger, rather than, you know, tear us apart. I love that. that definitely. I have two more for you. And my second to last one is, what advice would you give to people about being positive and being consistent about having support or even supporting yourself or believing in yourself to just keep on going in what you want to do in life? What would your advice be from your own heart to people who are listening? I love that you ask that. And it, two things come to mind. One is resilience. And you mentioned the word heart. And so to build your resilience is to know that when you are in the, let's call it difficult experience, whatever that may be, or some people call it when you're in the trauma, right? When you're having the hard time, when you're in the middle, middle of it, it doesn't really help to know that you're going to be stronger after it's over <laughs> because you're in it. <laughs> you know, and if you're in it, you sometimes you just have to be in it and you have to say, I have hope that things will get better. There is such a thing as the science of hope and it use, using the science of hope actually helps you be more successful, more productive. And so having hope, having faith, if you want to call it that, you know, faith is something you believe in without seeing it, right? Have faith, have hope that it will get better. But if you're allow yourself at the same time, if you're in the middle of a of hard time to just be there and, and, um, know also that, that there is such a thing as post-traumatic growth, that after you have something difficult, you will have growth and you will come out more resilient, more strong, and you'll be able to conquer a whole lot of things. And then the other thing you mentioned there in that question was heart. And I love that this comes up because I also like to talk about heart-led leadership. And when we practice our communication skills, our power skills, we are developing heart-led leadership, meaning we want to have empathy with other people. And that involves really hearing where they're coming from, even when we don't agree with it. So um, developing a heart-led leadership style and, you know, practice, practicing the, the science of hope. I love that. See, that's, that's so kind to actually hear. Not a lot of people say that. And it's so nice and genuine to hear somebody say that. Thank you so much. My final question for you is, where can we find you on all your social medias? And like I've been blessed and lucky to be able to 
to have you on the Ask People podcast. Where can other people find you if they would like Absolutely. to get in touch with you? Absolutely. So my website is uplevelc.com. Um, so uplevel C stands for either coaching or consulting. And so you can find me there, of course, directly. And also I do like Instagram, <laughs> as you may know. So you can find me at Coach Kiri K. It's K-E-R-Y-K um, on Instagram. That's probably the best two ways to find me and see what I'm up to these days. Perfect. I want to thank you so much for coming on the Yes People podcast. I know we booked this from so long ago and the time came to actually be able to do the podcast with you. I'm really humble and I'm really grateful that you came on the Yes People podcast. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think we could talk easily for another hour. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> most definitely. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Ask People podcast. And please remember, you can subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and any other platform that you prefer listening to. Please also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can also donate to the Ask People podcast by simply going to the Savvy Rocks website or just typing in www.paypal forward slash us people podcast thank you so much for listening stay happy stay positive and as always please continue to be kind to one another You know, when I get a chance to have a conversation, especially with someone who's really good at it, and you are. <laughs>